0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel lesson is given to us for a very specific reason. It begins with these words. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray, not to lose heart. When Jesus says that he wants his people to pray and not lose heart, it is actually in the midst of a discussion on the end of all things in the world, that great and final tribulation of the church before the return in Christ. That is exactly what comes before this passage in the text. I don't know about you, but I have a lot more people these days asking me if I think we're living at the very end of the age. I mean, I've gotten that question over the years, but it kind of seems to be a lot nowadays. And honestly, it's not too hard to kind of realize why people might think this is the case. The Word of God has told us a great deal about what it's going to be like in the final years leading up to the return of Christ in glory. The whole world is going to be engulfed in unbelief. There will be no respecters of marriage and family. Governments will seem to universally persecute the people of God And generally, the whole world is going to be driven to a kind of madness. Kind of sounds like the time we're living in, doesn't it? I mean, it does. In such times, though, our Lord tells us today that he is concerned that we not cease in our prayers and that we do not lose heart. And I think Jesus is right to be concerned about these things. Do you ever find yourself losing a little bit of heart these days? Do you feel like you, your your family, maybe your church, is just going to be overcome by all the darkness in the world? If we're really honest with ourselves, some days it's hard to see the good in what is happening right now. People are so overwhelmed with unbelief that it looks like they've completely lost their mind. Men think they can become women. Women think they can become men. We're entering a time when what would have just you know, a few years ago being considered like the grooming of children, no longer is. Governments all over the world have become so reckless in their spending, one wonders if the world's economy is just going to implode one day. We have the threat of nuclear war again. Europe's going to freeze this winter, most likely, and a quarter of the world's population is going to face starvation in the next couple of years. For us as Christians, we also seem to be losing our influence in society, especially given that, you know, kind of as a percentage of the society, we're about as small as we've ever been in this part of the world. Young people just seem to be walking away from the gospel. And none of these things show any signs of slowing down. I wouldn't blame you if you told me that some days it's hard not to lose heart. And that can also have an effect on the way that we pray. If it seems hopeless, like nothing can be done, you might begin to wonder, well, why bother praying at all? In the midst of such things, see, Jesus really is right to tell us that he has something to say when we lose heart and when we falter in our prayer. We would do well to listen, because we might just be living at the end of the age, and even if we're not, it feels so very much like it that the words of Christ will speak to us what we need to hear. Now Jesus, in the parable, tells a story about a judge who has no respect for God and really no respect for people either. It's sort of a familiar tale, right, as we think about like the political leaders in our own country. Most of them seem to be motivated by their own greed and selfish gain than care or concern for the people that they govern. And yet, as bad as these types might make for leaders, they are also human, after all, and sometimes you can compel them by sheer force of will to do what they're supposed to do. And that's exactly what happens with a particular widow who keeps coming to this judge. She wanted justice. And while he probably wasn't in any rush to give it to her, even though that's his job, he gets annoyed that she won't go away. She just keeps on demanding from him that justice be given to her against her adversary. And finally, even though he doesn't really care about this woman, he relents because he can't take her pestering anymore. And that's how it really works sometimes in the world. Politicians, judges, and the like, they may not really do what is honorable and right, not because they care about it at all, but with enough pressure from their constituents, sometimes... They relent. Well, Jesus really is also making a good point in this regard. If the unbelieving judge finally gave justice, and this guy doesn't really care anything about that himself, how much more will our Heavenly Father give justice to the people of God? Because he does care. That is exactly what Jesus is trying to get across when he asks this rhetorical question. Will not God give justice to his elect? Will he not give them justice who cry out to him day and night? Well, of course he will. And that's good news for us. Although it sort of does raise the question, what justice is he going to actually give, right? And sort of like, in what regard? And that's where the context becomes so important. We, as the people of God, are persecuted people in this life. It doesn't matter whether it's persecution in the body unto death or a society like ours that is determined to destroy the faith of the people of God through its indoctrination and lies. All this persecution can kind of get us down, but we are not to lose heart, as though our God does not care. He does and he will have his vengeance over the world. That's what our Lord is testifying to today. Our God will give justice for the suffering, the persecution, and the hatred that we all face for the namesake of Jesus. Well, it might look like the world is going to sort of burn itself down and burn the church down with it, and it might appear that we're all going to go down in this sinking ship together in the world, we still have the promise that our Lord will have his vindication on behalf of the saints. We are to remember that we are first and foremost the people of God. And when the Lord returns in glory, and he will, he will set us free from our enemies and from the people who hate us. He will rescue us from this horrible opposition that we face because we are the elect. We are those not only for whom Christ has died, but who have been called to faith from all eternity in Christ. And as such, we're going to be the ones who are on the right side of history in the end because we're on Christ's side. And he has triumphed over the world. When we doubt and are prone to lose hope, what we really need to remember is what our Lord has done for us and what the end is going to be. He's come into the world to fight against the devil himself and to triumph over the world and all its ungodliness. The devil and the world did its worst to Jesus. They despised him, hated him, even had him killed. But death is not something which God either fears or cannot overcome. He was righteous and holy, and the death that he experienced had no claim over it. Jesus knew he would triumph over the grave and thereby show that he had, in fact, conquered the devil himself. That's exactly what he did. And so I ask you, if our Lord Jesus has overcome the grave, if the weapons of the devil himself were no match for Jesus, if our Lord has triumphed over the wealth and power and the kingdoms of the world by having them all put under his feet in his resurrection, of what shall we be afraid? Of what shall we hold in higher estimation and greater victory than the one who not only overcame death, which no one else has done by the way, but now he reigns as the victorious God man over all the creation, awaiting that day when the life of his church will have reached its end in the world, and he will return in glory. Yeah, things kind of look bad, right, when we sort of survey the landscape of the world and see all the spiritual carnage, But the most important battle has already been won. And there is no stopping the great and awesome day of the Lord when he will separate the sheep and the goats and cast the devil himself into the very lake of fire. We are to have confidence, even when our eyes tell us we should not. But we should, because the future is certain, And our victory is guaranteed. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It won't be. Jesus himself even testifies to that at the end of this parable when he kind of asks the question, right, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Many will have abandoned the truth. And the devil is after our faith in Christ. And he's going to try to scare us with the total insanity that's become the world. But the only one who can give up the truth is up. That's why we must pray. We must pray that the Lord's kingdom come among us, as we do in the Lord's prayer, which is to pray that not only would the gospel and all its truth and purity continue right among you here in this church, but that it would abide in your heart and mind all the days of your life. We must pray that our Lord's will would be done, and even under this, right, that he would make his will our will. Even if the world should totally lose its mind, we will say, so be it, if the, world so, if the Lord so allows it. But for us and for our household, we're going to worship the Lord. And so we pray. We do not lose heart, because we are Christians, whose God is the Lord of heaven and earth, and whose footstool is the whole creation, even with all its misguided kingdoms and rulers. And in the end, we will triumph, because our Lord will return in glory, and all the foolishness of this age will be no more. In the name of Jesus, amen.